This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Welcome. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You're listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, education, development, and training. I want to thank our sponsors, Vocal Dental Supply Company, Patterson Dental, and Henry Shine. Without their support and expertise, these podcasts wouldn't be possible. I also want to thank David Wolf and his podcast team for their expertise putting these productions together. I want to thank our listeners for listening, and tonight we have a special guest. His name is Mr. Norm Kelly, and Mr. Norm Kelly has an expertise in practice transitions. I believe he and his associates have over 3,000 transitions between optometrics and dental practices. Mr. Kelly, thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule to join us on Ascent Dental Solutions. Give us a little background so our listeners know what they can be prepared for over the next 15 to 20 minutes. Sure. Thank you, uh, Kevin, for having me on. I really appreciate it. My name is Noam Kelly. I work for a company, Practice Exchange. We basically transition dental and optometry practices throughout the United States and just about every state in the country. My partner, Peter Almonte, is an expert when it comes to dental transitions. I've learned everything from Peter, and uh, he plays an intimate role in our company. We basically handle the process from from the start to the finish. So a a dentist or an optometrist looking to sell will contact us. We take it from that initial call right on through the uh, sale of their practice. Mr. Kelly, what is your background? Are you an accountant? Are you an attorney? Are you a business person, a combination of all three? Give us a little background into the practice exchange. Absolutely. I I would consider myself a businessman. I've started uh, three or four companies over my career. Peter Almonte, as I referenced earlier, he's been doing this for 32 years, and he asked me to get involved about six or seven years ago. And so when Pete had just sold a brokerage company that he had that focused only on the sale of dental practices, and then he asked me to get involved, we started off doing optometry. And then over the last three or four years, we segued back into dental. And that's obviously a very sweet spot for Peter because he has so much experience doing it. So I would consider myself a businessman first and 
this brokerage industry is very exciting to get involved with. Explain to the listeners, as I created a consulting company called Ascent Dental Solutions, probably seven years ago, my audience was based on those dentists that just graduated. They were concerned, do they join an MSO, a DSO, a private practice, a group practice? What kind of insurance, what questions should they take? And then it was that second group that were basically that group of dentists that were a little disenfranchised. Their business uh, practice, their clinical practice was not working as well as it should after about eight to 10 years. And they were looking for advice and guidance to improve. And then that last group were those individuals between 55 and 65 years of age, and they were looking for the best exit strategy, the most efficient and effective way to sell their practice and give that practice the best curbside appeal uh, so that it would get the best value and they get the best bang for their buck. Going off that little segment right there, Mr. Kelly, what do you see is the biggest mistake we as dentists make as we get ready to transition and sell either a practice in total or in piecemeal? I would say when a dentist decides that they want to transition their practice, don't wait too long. And what I mean by that is I often see dentists that uh, start working less days. So in other words, perhaps they built their practice, they were working four or five days a week. And then as they go through their career, they start scaling back say from five to four, then four to three. And why they do that, what happens is their gross revenues typically start to fall as well. And you know, you want to try to sell the practice when it's on the upswing, not the downswing. So my recommendation is try to plan accordingly. Don't let the practice start deteriorating year over year over year because you're going to get less value for the practice. That would be I see it all the time. And I see practices that at one day were, I hear it all the time, they were multi-million, say a million, million five in gross revenues. And when they contact us, they're at 500,000. And, you know, it's just not worth as much as it was in uh, three to five years earlier. So that would be a big recommendation I could offer dentists out there. I know there's no such thing as a, a cookbook approach to really anything, but for our listeners out there, those individuals thinking about making this transition, if you were to come up with five to 10 bullet points in preparation, would it be three years tax returns? Would it be a list of uh, new patients and a list of how many patients you're losing per month for whatever reason? death, disability, relocation, dissatisfaction, what would be the list of items that would make you and Peter and your company's job so much easier because you have the data to indicate what potentially is the value that Dr. Jones or Dr. Smith can expect from their practice? Okay, that's a great question. When we look at practices, we're going to request the last three years of tax returns And usually when we do evaluation on a practice, the most recent year is the year that has the most weight. So the last three years of tax returns are essential. We'll also request uh, profit and loss statements. And if a a practice utilizes QuickBooks, they're usually capable of producing those P&Ls very quickly and very easily. The other thing that most practices have installed is practice management software, whether it's Dentrix or other type of packages out there that uh, provide the 
ability for dentists to report on their practice. Maybe it's production by procedure or by provider, or we might look at production and collection reports. We'll look at patient statistic reports. We'll look at production by code. You know, so those are critically important. We also will look for W-2s on their employees. We'll also look at 1099s by insurance company if they take various insurance companies. So we have a, uh, a pretty much standard body of information that we request from dentists when we get into that valuation stage. So we really look into the details of a practice because we want to come up with the best possible value. So those are some of the documents that we'll definitely request. And I would think that's pretty standard in the industry. And based on your experience, from the minute an agreement is made between the doctor and your company, on average, to collect the data, to analyze the data, generally what would be an average time frame before you can sit down with Dr. Smith or Dr. Jones and say, look it, we think a fair fee is this. You might be able to get that, and my recommendation is I would not sell lower than this. For that uh, performance evaluation, how long does that normally take your company to put together? Well, we turn things around pretty quickly. I would say we offer two, two phases. If a, if a dentist provides us with the last three years of tax returns, what we do is we offer a, a free preliminary valuation. It's a watered-down valuation where we can look at the tax returns and get back on the phone with the doctor and ask various questions. And at the end of the call, we're typically able to give them a range. It's not going to be like a, a, a number that we would go to market with, but it'll give them a range. Now, to come up with an actual number, which is probably most important, usually that will probably, once we receive all that information, that uh, those 10 bullets that we just talked about earlier, I would say between two and four weeks, we should be able to get back on the phone with the doctor and give him like a number that we think we could go to market with. And the reason we can do that is we have a, we have a lot of practices that we sold. So we have a database of a portfolio, if you will, of comp- uh, practices that we're going to compare uh, the dentists that we're working with to and enables us to, you know, really kind of compare one practice to another, strengths, weaknesses, And also, what state are they in? And what are the demographics of the area? That's very, very key also. So I would say two to four weeks, we can come up with a pretty solid number once we have all the information. Mr. Kelly, you have the information and the doctor is comfortable with that information. And they've decided that if they can, he or she get that target number, they're ready to sell. Okay. Where do you get your prospective clients from? Are these clients that contact you? Uh, Do you send this out through social media? What is your marketing, uh, your company's background to get potential buyers? Well, the good thing is when it comes to the dental world, we have every dentist in a database segmented by buyer seller by state. Um, It's in a Salesforce database. And what we have in that database is the name, cell phone numbers, email addresses, mailing addresses. So for instance, if we get a listing in Boston, Massachusetts, we have the ability to draw a 25 mile radius around Boston and contact every dentist that has anywhere from two to 20 years of experience. And we can contact them by a number of different means. 
my team, we consider ourselves a dental brokerage company, but also a marketing company. My team, we have three people dedicated to finding buyers. And they do it by all kinds of social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you name it. These guys are, you know, I have to say they're, they're younger. They're in the digital world. That's what they're all about. But not only do we contact potential buyers through social media avenues, we, we also go the old-fashioned way. You know, we send emails, we send text messages, and uh, we also send letters to their houses. And all in, in that combination of things that we do, we're usually able to come up with a nice pool of buyers for potential listings. Mr. Kelly, when you have a potential buyer, they sign, I assume, uh, a non-disclosure that there's a negotiation going on and the seller doesn't have to be fearful of their personal information being disseminated. From that agreement, does your company also get involved with the banks to help that purchaser make that uh, financial commitment? Or is that another entity or is that part of your business? It's a great question. I must say that the way we operate is we work for the seller. We represent the seller. However, we, we take a non-adversarial approach when it comes to trying to pull a deal together. And specifically, when it comes to bank financing, we have a database of banks that we work with every day. And we usually, 99.9% of the time, capable of getting the buyer introduced to bankers that will give them 100% bank financing on the practices that they're interested in. We're very successful at introducing buyers to the bank lenders. And also, I might add, lots of time real estate is involved. We're also, these bankers that we're referring the buyer to will also lend on the real estate. Uh, The issue there sometimes becomes the down payment because the bank, as I mentioned, will give 100% financing on the practice, but only 80% on the real estate. So someone needs to come up with a 20% down payment. A lot of doctors that are in that, say, you know, maybe three to five year range may not have you know, $100,000 to put down on a piece of property. In those cases, sometimes the selling dentist will help finance the transaction and hold a second note, if you will, behind the bank. Um, because lots of times these doctors, if they, can, if they can cash out for both the practice and the real estate, that's usually what their preference is. Sometimes, you know, they want to be landlords. Oftentimes they don't. And if they can cash out, because let's face it, the person that's going to give the dentist who's selling the most for their real estate that the practice resides in is the dentist buying the practice. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how we work. And uh, we play a uh, non-adversarial role with the seller I mean, with the buyer, we want to help that buyer, you know, achieve what, uh, what they're trying to do. And that's by the practice that we have a listing on. Well, for the young men and women who are just getting started in their careers, uh, trust me when I tell you time passes very fast. And sooner or later, we all are going to have to transition. And uh, my opinion is, is experts like Mr. Kelly and his company are out there to help us. And as you've heard him say, point blank, his job is to represent the seller. 
And in my opinion, good representation reduces errors and mistakes. Mr. Kelly, can you just tell our listeners, how can they reach out to you? How can they perhaps take advantage of that flash evaluation, that potential courtesy to maybe give that seller some idea of what their practice might be worth? How do they reach out to you and your company? Absolutely. I also kind of consider Practice Practice Exchange a technology company. Anyone who wants to reach out to us can get us through our website. We try to drive a lot lot of traffic to our website, and that is www.practice-exchange.com. If you want to take advantage of that free preliminary evaluation, just click on the link for a seller and, you know, you fill out a couple simple questions. It'll be, we'll get a notification pretty quickly. And usually we're in touch within, you know, I want to say anywhere from maybe an hour, maybe two, just to introduce ourselves. So it's a very, very easy process. You know, we're, we're always looking for new opportunities, that's for sure. Well, Mr. Kelly, I can't thank you enough from your busy schedule. I hope our listeners enjoyed Practice Exchange, Mr. Norm Kelly. Hopefully he's answered some questions. I'm sure we'll get him back. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You've been listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, education, development, and training. Again, a special thanks to our sponsors, Vocal Dental Supply, Henry Shine, and Patterson. Without their input, and their help, these podcasts would not be possible. I also want to say thank you to David Wolf and his podcast team for making these available. Thanks again to our listeners. I look forward to talking to you in the near future. Again, you've been listening to Dr. Kevin Coughlin and Ascent Dental Solutions. Thanks again and have a great night. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.